It is going to be Mata, who plays it low. Oh, my word, what a hit! What a phenomenal strike from Blint! It was a free kick from the training ground. Nobody picked up Daly Blint, and he absolutely battered that into the top corner. Great start for the second half. Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. On the road again this time, I'm Helen Evans. I'm Isaac. And I'm Sam. How are we? All good, a little tired. Sam's a little, a little bit more rested than we are, Maisie. Yeah, half past three this morning. Yeah. Is that what Set time the alarm. alarm went off? Half three. Well, the first one went off at quarter past three and then... Oh, I, I, you know, why? I never understand when people do that. What? Just set it for the time you need to get up. No, I like a little snooze. No, there's two different people, yeah. type, types of people in the world. Yeah. Do, I, I'll people that press the snooze. I was actually yeah, very, very lucky. Yeah, just, just get set up. Set your alarm, get up, make it, make it was, worth it. I was lucky because I actually put it at quarter past three in the afternoon. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So what, you just, oh, because you'd set two though? No, no, no. I just, I just automatically thought quarter past three. Now, why I would set a, uh, an alarm at quarter past three in the afternoon, I okay, don't really know. Okay, but what went off if your alarm didn't go off? None of the phone went off at quarter past three am. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been there. So you didn't set it for the afternoon? No. I'd set it for quarter past three in the afternoon and then realised... Oh, I see. Oh, before you went to bed? Yes. Right, there we go. I was just double checking and thinking, check me alarm again, and it was 3.15pm. It was an early start, Sam. I'm going to point out, all of this is because we're in Munich. So Helen and Maisie flew in this morning... Via Amsterdam. Via Amsterdam. And I came in yesterday... Because why wouldn't you want to get a night in Munich when it's an option? I don't know why you both got up early. We should have been here yesterday. I know. Some of us are family, son. <laughs> well, I have a family. Well, obviously you don't care about yours. <laughs> we do. Well, you're, you're a great guy. Thanks. I can't, I can't deny it. You're a great guy. <laughs> anyway, God, what are we doing here? Uh, well, we're going to speak to Daily Blint. Interestingly, he's also been to Amsterdam quite a lot in his life, given that that's where he's from. Mm-hmm. So you two have sort of had his journey. Manchester, Amsterdam. We have. The connecting Munich. flight and everything. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Do you know what first struck me when we arrived? It's very low key around here. Mm, it's very casual. Literally, We're in. Well, our taxi driver literally pulled up on the pavement at the front door. Like he couldn't get any closer. He couldn't get any closer. No, also, if, no security or anything. I probably shouldn't say very, that. It's very family. It's a family club. club, isn't it? That's their that's their whole vibe. It feels like we're in the club shop, doesn't it? I don't know what this room is in the training ground. We've got just there's I mean there's watches there's glasses there's baby bibs hats tracksuits there's two barbecues bicycles oh I haven't seen the barbecues all Bayern Munich branded of course yeah there's trophies my favourite thing so far is there's an inflatable Manuel Neuer and Thomas Muller Lilos I'd go for a Muller (laughs) that'd be my choice of Lilo Maisie neither doesn't want one Helen (laughs) he'd go for the bucket hat yeah absolutely well do you know what when I walked in the first thing I said to Maisie when I came through the door is I'm expected to see Bastian Schweinsteiger here like this whole room just reminds me of him absolutely but after today it will change it will remind me of Dilly Blind it shall there is the actual uh, programme from the 99 travel oh that's cool I've not seen that where is that is that around there too busy looking at clothing aren't you oh Maisie you have to to get a little picture with that that's That's brilliant yeah Dilly Blind Interesting career. Also, the second player we're going to have spoken to that's had significant heart problems. Mm-hmm. But of the number of football players that that's happened to, it seems weird that we've, we're going to have spoken to two of them. Yeah, and no, it'll be really, really, really interesting to hear that side from him as well after hearing it from Christian Eriksen. In terms of football, the clubs that Dilly has played for, mm-hmm. incredible. Won loads of trophies. Uh, also fun because he was with his dad, 
uh, Ajax, mm -hmm. Louvan Hal at the World Cup, and then with Manchester United, like be interested to see how that move came about. Was it happening before the World Cup started? Did it happen? Did it, like what were his conversations with Louis like? That's fascinating. Then one loads of trophies went back to Ajax and has over a hundred caps for the national team. Set up that Robin van Persie header. Remember that one? Tell mm -hmm. you what, he's a top player. I'm surprised you now got rid of him. I thought he was a great player. Play centre half, left back, midfield. So versatile. Great player. Great player. Well, should we get him on and find out what happened? It is. Daily Blend. Daily, welcome to United Podcast. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yes. I think the first thing to say is thank you very much for agreeing to do this with us. Because mostly when players have left United, we only speak to them once they've retired. Ah, okay. I'm happy I'm not retired yet. And <laughs> I'm happy that you already want to talk to me then. So... Uh, it's good to see you guys and I'm happy to be here. How is life in Munich? Are you enjoying your life here? I have to be honest, it's okay. It's not Amsterdam. It's also not Manchester, I have to say. Um, I live just 20 minutes outside the city center. So it's a bit quiet, but for the family, it's it's nice. And uh, it's uh, it's okay environment. So yeah, it's good. Is it a very different culture from Amsterdam? Um, I think Amsterdam is just more busy, just mm. more happening around and... Um, I think, of course, it's my hometown, so I know a lot of people and my friends and family living there. But yeah, in here, sometimes it can be, yeah, if you go outside, you don't see anyone for, for like really? a, on the streets and it can be really quiet. So, uh, of course, I chose to live a little bit outside the center. Like I said, for the kids and the family, it's it's nice to be there. And But like I said, it's not uh, it's not home. What's it like having grown up in Amsterdam? It's such a, like, it's a, such a famous city and it's known throughout the world and throughout Europe. And as someone who grew up in that environment and then you've traveled out of it and you've been in big European cities, you've just talked about the experiences of being in Munich, but living in Manchester, has that changed your perception of Amsterdam? No, sometimes it's it's more not really Amsterdam, but also like with football, you're always traveling, you're always away from the family and then you really recognize what's home. And then, yeah, maybe it's easy, like home is where the family and where the friends are. And of course, M Amsterdam feels like home when they are there and course center around like I just told it's like um, you know everything you know every place is where you have to go for dinner or for for nice stuff and I think um, that's that's the, the most different thing for me it's like uh, having the friends and family around that that makes where that makes the home I think just while we're on places what were your favorite things about Manchester what were the worst things about Manchester I think the worst thing was the, the loads of rain there is there but I think we, we really enjoyed our time in Manchester. Uh, we lived in the city center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we really uh, explored it and went to, to go to nice restaurants or bars with, uh, with just with my wife or with friends who came over. And yeah, we really enjoyed uh, living in the center. Yeah, it's really nice. Was it sad to leave? Uh, yes, I was sad to leave United because it's such a massive club and such an honor to play it yeah. for a club like that. But I also made the decision uh, yeah, for my own career. I wanted to play more often. Yeah, that's only the the only reason why I chose yeah. uh, for something else. But I have not one bad memory from uh, from United. Well, let's go back to the very beginning. Obviously, your father was an incredibly famous and successful football player. So I imagine he was your earliest influence in the world of football. But what was life like for you growing up in Amsterdam? I grew up in a yeah, like I said, a little town next to Amsterdam. So uh, we were really connected to it. But yeah, of course, my childhood was very, very good. I cannot complain about that. I um, really early in my 
uh, Flight was seven, I think, when I joined the Academy of Ajax. So uh, already really quick, it was my life and, and what you want to be later, prof a professional football player. I want to do everything, yeah, to make that happen. And yeah, so it was really good to live there. You had everything to, to do. I have my school there, it was close to the club. Um, a lot of uh, playgrounds with uh, where I played football on the streets with my friends. And I think I, uh, yeah, I missed, I missed nothing. I, uh, I yeah, have to really thank my parents for that. Just football or were there other sports for you growing up? Um, I played tennis also um, at one point. I had to make a decision. I played quite a lot of tennis as well. Like, do I go on with f with football or train more a lot with tennis as well? But um, of course, it was not an, uh, a difficult choice. I chose directly football and I stopped tennis. Um, but I really like to, to play that as well. I was just going to say, do you still play? For fun. And padel now is really hot. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you're playing paddle? Sometimes, when yeah. I have the time, but not that often. Mostly in the holidays. It's got so popular. Is it big in Germany now, paddle? Over here, I don't know. But in Amsterdam, it's really yeah. popular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, everyone is playing. Do you watch a lot of sports? In phases, I have to say, sometimes I really want to see everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just get tired of it. And I just don't want to get far away from it and uh, focus on other stuff. But um, of course, I, uh, I like sports, so I follow almost everything. And sometimes I really close by and want to, fo want to hear everything. And sometimes I just take a bit of a rest of it. Something that I think will be really interesting to talk to you about is your experiences with the academy at Ajax, because we've spoken to loads of people that joined the academy at Manchester United and then worked through and got to the first team. And you said you were there from the age of seven, which is I think the age Marcus joined the academy. And then it was seven, was the yeah. youngest, yeah. So what was the process? What was the setup? I, like, because I wonder if you felt a lot more pressure or if your dad felt pressure because you were the son of someone who was so successful for the football club. Yeah, when I grew up, I felt uh, felt kind of pressure sometimes, you know, when you go uh, as a young kid in a team and your dad was at one point also the, how you say, the the head of the academy. So was he the head of the academy when you joined? Not when I joined, okay. but later on he yeah. became the head of the academy. Um, yeah, then you have all these players around, oh, you only play here because of your dad. Um, mm. Yeah, you're not good enough, you're just here because of him. And sometimes when you're young, it's... Uh, yeah, it's hard to manage that and um, it's difficult to uh, to cope with that. And yeah, sometimes you feel really bad about it when you, for example, play a bad game and you feel maybe guilty or as a young player, you get insecure about it. And um, But in the end, I I felt also, also really confident in the way I was playing, the way I was training, and I did not feel like I was less than the other guys. So yeah also the one thing you learn in Amsterdam to have a big of a big mouth to to the other players and stand up for yourself so it was also um, an environment where I have to learn to to step up and and yeah don't get walked over by the other kids you know and um, that also I think made me a bit stronger yeah and then you get older and older and then it gets more serious and then get more closer to the first team and then yeah, the moment I got to the first team the, the I did not even play one minute and the fans are already uh, singing my name when I was the first time on the bench. Of course, an incredible feeling, but also an incredible pressure from outside. Like, I did not even show anything yet, and they sing my name, so I have to perform, I have to show it, I have to show them what, what I'm capable of. Did you speak to your dad about that, for any pressure? Yeah, of course. Um, I have to say, my dad is Wait, really... Would it have um, been your dad's song? Yeah, no, they're singing, yeah, they're singing my dad's song with yeah. my name in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it, it was like that, yeah. And of course, I speak to my dad about the pressure, but my dad is really, um, 
I say this uh, in English, he's really down to earth. So and that, yeah. he's really saying, uh, yeah, just don't bother bother with it. Uh, just play your own game and mm -hmm. really like that. And yeah, sometimes you need a bit more than that. It's not just that it's easy <laughs> yeah. to go away. So then I went to my mom. And, uh, she said the same. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no, with my mom, I really could let everything out. And she just joined me in it, you know, and we uh, moaned together about some yeah. things. And then uh, it gets me more relaxed. And um, yeah, in the end, I felt so much pressure. And then in my first years, I had yeah difficulties to bringing the level I wanted to to bring. Yeah, but in the end, I, I went on a, a period for six months on loan. And from there on, my career gets a boost and started off. What position did you play growing up? Mostly uh, left midfielder or left fullback. And later on, when I got maybe like 13, 14, 15, I get more to the center, like a central defender or center midfielder. At one point, I was like the the defender who did not defend to and always get the ball in place. <laughs> <laughs> and then at one point they said, yeah, you need to, uh, yeah, be quicker with your feet, get play more in midfield. I played more in midfield to learn that. And then when I got to the first team, I was uh, starting as a left fullback. Have you ever had like a preference as to where you played or were you always just happy to be somewhere around the centre or left-hand side? Yeah, sometimes you prefer like a position in, in on the pitch, but... Yeah, for me, it, it doesn't really matter. I was always like, yeah, I want to play. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where I adapt and it's fine for me. Uh, so sometimes when you get to a higher team, you just play where the spot is ready for you and where the, where the coach needs you and you do it. Sometimes it's really an advantage for me that I can play in multiple positions. And sometimes it's like, yeah, a disadvantage because maybe the coach wants a guy who really specialized maybe in one position and yeah, it can work against you. Um, but... I uh, I don't see it that way. I see it as a positive thing that I can uh, adapt quick. How much how much has an influence was your dad in those games, those early games that you were playing? Did you ever model yourself in his game or when we, when I grew up, I was always um, in the academy. Then he was in the car already coming with his uh, board yeah. with the tactics <laughs> thing and uh, couldn't wait till we get yeah. home. And then I was home and he was like, and I was like, come on, <laughs> um, but. I always listened and I, yeah. I never really make a fight with him or anything. I listened, I tried to be like a sponge, you know, and mm -hmm. put everything in my head. And at one point I got a bit older. I said, okay, dad, now it's, it's okay. Don't, don't do this anymore. Okay. And then um, when I got to the first team, he was assistant coach. Mm -hmm. At that point, I also decided that I uh, moving out house because yeah, it was a bit weird to living with yeah. the same, uh, with, the, with the coach in the house when, yeah. when I have to, uh, have to play, for example, in the weekend or, or have a training next day. No, but um, coming back to that, I always try to, to learn a lot from him mm -hmm. and soak it up, everything that yeah. he told me. And yeah, he learned me like what are positions, what are asked in some positions, like what are asked in the fullback position, mm -hmm. uh, what is asked on the center back position. And uh, of course, while, while playing it, you recognize more and more. And yeah, at one point I, I got switched one either game and yeah, I could at one point switch even quicker and quicker. So mm -hmm. it was, uh, yeah. I'm just wondering, because here we are in 2023 having a conversation just about your career and we've already talked about your dad so much. It made me think when you were in the academy and it was all happening then, it, it must have been relentless. Was there ever a point you thought, maybe I'll go to Feyenoord, PSV or somewhere and just, just to get away from that expectation and, and the shadow of your dad's legacy? No, I never really considered that. Um, I'm also really proud mm -hmm. that he is my dad and he got so much success as a football player. 
I think also in my uh, time as a young player, he tried to yeah, step away from it a little bit. Um, also because he had his own team, his own football. He was not really a lot of times when he could watch my games. I have to say my mom was always there with my sisters. And sometimes my dad also say, yeah, uh, my mom did uh, the racing most of the times because he was gone always. And of course, when he could, he, he tried to watch the games. But I think the pressure came when I got older, like mm -hmm. uh, the expectation from the people outside on the on the stands. And you come on a youth tournament when you're yeah. 19, you see Blind on the on the folder when, when he's playing. Ah, this is the son of uh, Danny Blind. He, yeah, let's let's see him. And I've always the feeling when I played like a six, like average, I was a four, you know. And when I was like good, I was like a ten. And <laughs> it was not really fair. I think mm -hmm. people uh, judged me more because of my name. I think. And sometimes it's yeah, it's it's hard with the pressure, but I think it's also made me more a fighter to to show them what I was capable of because I I didn't want to give them any reason that I'm doing it because of him or I can make professional football because of him. You've won many trophies in your career so far, but when you look back, was your debut at Ajax one of the highlights of your career? Uh, yeah, of course, it's one of the highlights because that's what you're working to all your life, mm -hmm. um, getting on that pitch with the first team. Yeah, even my dad said to back then, uh, to come there, it's not that difficult. Just staying there is the, is the more, most yeah. difficult part. And it was uh, because I struggled in the beginning. During the academy, I was like going like this and oh, everything was fine and going next year, next year. And I came to the first team and from there, sometimes uh, from there, the struggles uh, started. What did you struggle with? Physicality or yeah. the speed or the... No, especially the physicality. Um, yeah, I was not a guy who really enjoys the gym mm. that much mm. uh, when I was young. Um, so I really focused on my football yeah. getting out of, of of situations with my football and not with my my, my strength yeah. and uh, i thought yeah it's going well i don't need the gym and when i came to the first team then bang bang yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly then you come yeah your first injuries coming in try to keep up with and so you don't want to admit it mm -hmm. and then it gets worse and and then at one point yeah i was like feeling a, a boy between men's football you know yeah. and i think after one or two years i started to grow as well and it makes a big difference. I don't think whenever you make your, your, your debut, you're actually prepared for that first game because people are playing for the, the wages to pay the mortgages, pay the bills. When you're in an academy, it's pretty easy, to be fair. But when you make that debut, when everyone's playing for the wages and the win bonuses, that's when you know you've either you, you're going to make it or you don't make it. And as you say, when your dad said that about the first thing, it's easy getting there but then it's staying there and you have to grow up. You have to be, grow up as a man and yeah, exactly. And, and be strong and yeah, it's also different. time. Like yeah. you say, it's different pressure coming in. It's not just Plus the fun the anymore on, uh, yeah. on Saturday uh, afternoon playing with your friends exactly, in the youth yeah. academy. You know, yeah. it's like... It's a job. Uh, it's a job. It's getting a job and it's <laughs> yeah. getting more serious. You're getting criticized day by day now yeah. by, by media or fans, anything. It's, mm -hmm. it's no escaping from that. You have to perform. And yeah. I think that's quite a pressure football players have these days. Yeah. I know you went on loan as well quite early on, but when was the moment that you feel like it was a turning point in your Ajax career? Yeah, at one point, there was a manager, Martin Yol. Uh, he, get, he didn't give me any chance of playing, so I had to choose for myself. Uh, and um, there was this club, FC Groningen, they were like subbed up in the league, so it was really good for me to, uh, to play there. 
And uh, in the second game, the, the manager there asked me to play right fullback. And I said, okay, why not? <laughs> Let's play. <laughs> and then I played like, uh, I think 12 of the 19 ga 18 games oh, I played wow. as right fullback uh, in, the, in the league. And I did quite well. My feeling, I, I showed uh, myself and also Ajax that I'm ready for the, for the, for the next step. In any position? In any position, <laughs> yeah. I, I played in that, that time, I played, uh, I played number 10 even once. I played uh, left midfielder, right midfielder, I think. I, I had so much confidence in that time and there was also no pressure like Ajax in that club. Mm. So yeah. when you make a mistake, one or two, okay, yeah. it can happen, you're a young player. So yeah, it, it, it helped a lot during my career and making, getting back to Ajax was, a, was an easier step then. And then your confidence was probably so high coming really back high. from the yeah, loan yeah. spell. No, exactly. My confidence was really high. Yeah. Mm. One thing we've spoken to United players about that have come through the academy is the idea that often if you come through the academy, the pressure on you is different to a player that gets purchased by a club for whether it's a lot of money or a small amount of money because people maybe have less time for you sometimes because they might be aware of some of your previous mistakes. They might be aware of some of your previous successes going through the academy. But there's um, certainly now there's an eagerness for football clubs to spend money. So if you just if they just uh, you know created you through the academy and then you play, they might think, yeah, this guy's fine, but I don't want to wait another three years for for a development further. Let's just buy someone. What was it like that with Ajax? I think yes, I know. In Ajax last years, are, they spent quite some money. Um, so yes, there is maybe a bit of a difference in that. But I think in in yeah the difference with the Premier League or Holland you cannot compare. I think the Holland is still like a country which like develop players, uh, young talents, make them ready for the for the big leagues. And when they're top, they they get by the way yeah. from the big clubs. And that's how it uh, sometimes unfortunately work for for a club like Ajax because you want to keep your big talents uh, normally. And I think if Ajax can manage to keep a lot of talents, you can maybe win something maybe even in Europe. Uh, later on but that's not how it works and I think um, the bigger teams they're buying them away and I think yes uh, as a young player you have to be there directly um, if you're not sure that you can perform in a certain time um, then they may be in doubt and, and, and getting another player in and I think also of course you need a manager who believes in youth um, I think now also with Eric Ten Hag and United you see give some youngsters a chance um, they can develop themselves. Uh, but yeah, I think also if you want to fight for the title, for example, of, of in Holland as well, if someone is not ready, he's not ready. And I think as a young player, you have to show that already at a young age that you're not playing in the academy anymore and you can mistake after mistake and it's fine. You have to you have a responsibility on the pitch and you have to show that. And I think that's important for a lot of managers on the on the highest level. Like mm -hmm have this responsibility, um, feel, be safe on the ball and keep the ball, keep the possession and still having that flair of a youngster, you know, and it's difficult sometimes. Before you know it, you've won four titles and Dutch Footballer of the Year. I am aware that we haven't even got on to Manchester United yet, although we could listen to this conversation <laughs> all day. Um, when did the interest or interest from other clubs begin when you were at Ajax? I think it began after the World Cup. After the World Cup 2014, then... Yeah, that this tournament changed my life. Before that, there was no other clubs that came to you or there was no um, conversations? Not really. There was one uh, summer before, there was two clubs. I think Atletico Madrid was there. We had some conversations, but it was really in an early stage. It was not like uh, I wanted to leave Ajax because I was really happy there. So 
my idea was really to stay there and, and for a long time. And then the World Cup came and then uh, it started. We go back 2014. Manchester United at this point don't have a manager because David Moyes has been sacked. Lou van Gaal is your manager for the Dutch national team. He's linked to the United job, but he's focusing on the World Cup. He's also at the time being linked to the Spurs job, but again, is focused on the World Cup. From your side of things, did you know that he was talking to Manchester United? Is that when you started talking? Like, How did that all play out? No, I was just playing the World Cup and enjoying mm -hmm. it. Also in my head, I was just after the World Cup going back to Ajax. Like I said, um, I'm homegrown player there and I really enjoyed playing for Ajax and still love the club. So I, I never would wanted to leave or thought about it. Then in, during the World Cup, of course, I played at high level and then came back, you have the holidays and then the rumors start. Uh, after Louis Vagal signed at Manchester United. And then I think um, the rumors got so intense with me and United that we also asked ourselves, like, is there any truth in this or not? Mm -hmm. So and you hadn't heard anything? No, no, it was just rumors. Like, oh, okay. uh, I focused just on this. There were rumors from, I think, Manchester United. There were some rumors from Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some, uh, yeah, extend, do I extend my contract? Uh, there was, like, different things going on. What's it like being a player? Because usually when we, when we have these conversations, we as fans see the rumors, but the players are in on it and they're having conversations. But for you, just sat at home, had a good World Cup. Yeah. Sometimes you weird? just open just, the news and you yeah. get a message on your phone from your friends. Hey, you go there. I said, <laughs> I don't know. Is, what was, is that strange? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course it's strange. Um, you, let, you get linked by all these clubs and of course uh, a lot of reporters think they, they have the right uh, information. But uh, I didn't hear anything from from them and also uh, not from Louis Fagal. And after a while, the rumors get so yeah heavy more and more that my agent asked one time, like, is this true or not? Like, because otherwise then maybe we can have a talk or I focus on Ajax and yeah. we move on. And then there was no interest. So I I just focused on Ajax and it was fine. He was just honest. And uh, and then I think three days before the the window, uh, we get a call like, yeah, we are, we are seriously interested. What do you want to do? And then... Uh, said yes of course <laughs> did you always want to play in the Premier League I know you always were Ajax at your heart but was it ever an ambition Premier League was not uh, the first on my list when I also looked to my physical part of the game um, so no the Premier League was not the first league I thought of I was more thinking about Spain nice in the sun well. playing football <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, that was also uh, already first one and, and to be honest like the year before me like Jan Vertonghen goes to Tottenham uh, Eriksen uh, went to Tottenham um, did you uh, speak to them about this? not about this no but no. a lot of players went to like really big clubs yeah. and yeah I was always really thinking like I don't know if like such a big club is something for me you know I was I was a good player I had confidence but yeah I was also uh, did you speak to your dad about it yeah when they came in there was no no there was no was, uh, conversation you, there was you just said like, you go in yeah, yeah. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no it was like a, a chance of a lifetime as well I think yeah. for me and um, uh, yeah after that the, there was like three days before the window then mm -hmm. it was like really quick like this is this happening yes I think at that point uh, the, the manager of Ajax Frank de Boer called me I want you to stay but of course, I cannot no. do this to you. Like, you want to go or not? And I said, yes, I want to go. And then everything was done in the end. And Probably best that it was done quickly, because if you had have had time to think about the emotion of leaving Ajax, that might have been quite difficult for you. 
yeah it, it it was still i think um I, I remember my wife started crying no we have everything under control now in amsterdam we just <laughs> bought a house and we have our life is settled here now and i said yeah it's okay we'll be fine you know and uh, the next day you fly away and it's it's like <laughs> yeah. a new adventure but i also i was already really proud of what i achieved i, I became the the footballer of the year i won four trophies so it was also not a bad moment to uh, yeah. to leave the club, mm. and I think uh, I left the club during the front door, and uh, that's something I I'm also really proud of. So, what yeah. was your relationship with Louis like? Because obviously you'd done the World Cup together, and he's then new at Manchester United, and I've seen it's like a TED talk or something where he's he's pointing to you and your positional play and saying how how you played left back changed how he would coach players playing as a left sided defender. So did he sell United to you and say, this is what I'm going to do with you? This is how it's going to play? Or was it just a case of come and join? No, of course, you have to talk with the manager. And first uh, season I played in midfield. So that was also his uh, his idea for me playing a defensive midfielder. Also during the World Cup, he saw me like uh, he saw me more as a midfielder than a left wing back. So that's the position I played in my first year. Did so. you speak to any of the ex-United players? Yeah, Ronnie. It, no, uh, it, it went so rude. quick. Um, that I just, oh, that, no. I went for it, yeah. It was not really that I, I got yeah. into a talk with him. Of course, I talked to Robin van Persie because he yeah. was also in a national team, mm-hmm. but it went so quick, like, yeah, That's you go over, you, you do the medical and suddenly Same. you're there. Like, we should yeah. mention, as you mentioned, Robin van Persie, the assist and the goal against Spain because it's been seen, I don't know, a billion times by everybody. Did you anticipate that he would pull off that header? I don't know, like, uh, he has a bit of quality, right, to do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, um yeah, I just saw him running and saw the space and without thinking, you gave this, this pass. And uh, on training, we, we, we you don't practice this, but we practice like going mm-hmm. to the sides. Strikers are running in depth. And most of the time I could play to Robert because he's playing on my side. But yeah, this this was, I saw this open opportunity and went for it. He went for it. And in the end, it, it is a goal, right. like, which has never been forgotten, I think. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm proud of that. Back to the Premier League then, you said you had maybe reservations because of the physicality of the Premier League. Was that something you noticed very quickly? Um, yeah, in the beginning in my first games, uh, like the 70, 80 minutes, I got cramps everywhere in my legs. Like the, the, the tempo of the, the games were so high. But I adapted quick, I think. And I think in the end, I was still not the, the player who got the physicality like uh, uh, maybe people expect from me in the in the midfield in the Premier League. But I did it in my own way and I tried to, to help the team with my uh, yeah, football aspect of the game. And I think, yeah, in my first season, um, I could play some way games better. I played maybe some games where I was not so good. Uh, some players I played really good. So it was like a bit of up and down for me as well. It was also a season with United with going yeah. up and down. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, yeah, it was a difficult season, but yeah, I enjoyed it really much. A difficult season because lots of players were adapting to Louis van Gaal and the way he he did training and it was a very different type of footballing game but something that you were used to. So I suppose in that respect it wasn't difficult for you to adapt to his style. No, I knew I knew he was already from from the national team and I did not change. And I know Louis van Gaal, he did not change. He, he is not changing. He is like who he is and what you see is what you get. And he's also really honest to you about it, what he expects from you, what he wants from you. And for some players, it can be really hard. Uh, also, if it's sometimes uh, in a negative way, but he tries always to say it and, and try to make you better. And it's not um, criticizing the person, but criticizing you about how we can 
manage to make the team play better? How can we, can we manage to make you play and make a better player? Uh, I think also, of course, the things beside the pitch, like uh, eating lunch together, like in England, it's more free, more normally, like you come in, you eat, you go. And yeah, he was trying to get more like a team spirit in that mm-hmm. way. And I think a lot of players have to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned things on the side of the pitch. I'm immediately yeah. reminded of him <laughs> I was just thinking yeah, about that falling diving over. against Arsenal and falling over. <laughs> he, do you remember oh, yeah. that? Uh, so he was such a character. Oh, yeah. And he like I think he embraced the fans and yeah. they embraced him. Is he someone you liked working with and was fun to work with? Did anything he do surprise you? No, like the, the thing happened in, uh, exactly like in Arsenal. Like yeah. what you see is what you get. If he thinks something, then he does it. If you want to say something, he tells you in the face how it is. Like if it's positive or negative way and sometimes it can, can bring up uh, weird situations yeah. and uh, but yeah you cannot say one web bad word about him then he tries that that he's maybe not honest with you why you're not playing that he's not honest with you uh, if he thinks you're a good player what you need to uh, progress um, so I think really what you what you see with him like again I repeat myself that's that's how he is and I think I've yeah I have a lot of respect for that what did you think when when he actually did that of course you laugh in the beginning uh, <laughs> but yeah it's like uh, yeah i also did moment in for example uh, 95 with the champs league with my dad that he made this high kick like uh, yeah. on the sideline i don't know if you re- don't remember that but those kind of things yeah you, you laugh about it but in the end he has he has a point you yeah. know and and that's that's funny yeah one parallel i want to draw with you is you talked about coming to the premier league and worrying about physicality obviously last summer manchester united bought another young defender from Ajax in Lisandro Martinez. And as soon as he arrived, people were writing him off saying he'll never be big enough to play in the Premier League. He won't be able to play centre-back in the Premier League. I can't remember people saying that about you, but did you face some of that? I think at, at the moment I start playing centre-back, I think there were some critical notes about my height or my, uh, how you say it? I, doesn't, I don't look like Vidic, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better looking. <laughs> yeah. Probably, but he looks like a warrior and he was a, a great defender. Or, Yeah, I think in, in England there's like this image of a centre-back that how it should be done and how a player of a centre-back should be looked uh, the way he is. Or, uh, And I think now these days uh, you can fill it in in different different ways. And like Martinez, he's a, he's a great centre-back. He's so aggressive. He's really good with his feet. Um, he's really good at tackling. Yeah, you cannot write him off just because he's maybe not the height you you expect him to be, but I think he showed himself direct, directly that he is uh, capable of everything in the Premier League. And I think in the beginning for me it was yeah it was a challenge a challenge for me to show myself in that position because I remember uh, Sebastian Schweinsteiger came in, I was playing in midfield and he he was coming in for um, for that midfield position and yeah he's such a big player such a great footballer and. Yeah, I thought, okay, now it's my position is probably yeah. gone, you know. And I was a bit down, and the manager yeah, saw that. And uh, at one point, he came to me. I said, Daily, don't worry, I have a position for you in mind, and um, be ready for that. And um, next game, I was centre back. And uh, I think I remember we played Aston Villa, mm-hmm. and uh, this was my first game, and I played really good. I won some headers, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, from that point, I, I stayed there and uh, I had a really good cooperation with uh, with Smalling and um, I enjoyed it in the back. The goal against Liverpool must have been an incredible high. Not many players play for Man United and score a goal against Liverpool. Exactly, that's one of the highlights. Exactly, yeah. What did you think of that game? Obviously, it's a famous game around the world, Manchester United against Liverpool. What did What was your experience of playing in that game? 
yeah, just during the week, you get already hyped up by everyone at the club, like not only the players, but from the physiotherapist, from the from the chef, from everything yeah. who's mm-hmm. involved in the first team. You get you get to notice how important this game is for them and for the fans. So yeah, you get all hyped up and yeah, to score like goal like this, what we practice in training as well. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those moments you never forget. Like um, I can can watch this image over and over. So obviously the dab is. Ajax, Feyenoord, Manchester United and Liverpool, which would you class as the biggest? Yeah, I, I think you can compare them a little bit uh, with each other. I think Feyenoord and, and Ajax are like the yeah. same aggressivity. Uh, Ajax, I think if you le- watch the results of the last few years of the Ajax Feyenoord games, Ajax is most of the time the winner. Yeah, we started from focusing on Feyenoord when the last game started yeah, yeah. and uh, after the last game was finished and then we started that week with focusing mm-hmm. on Feyenoord and you felt in the club already the people are one month ahead with Liverpool like the chef coming in the bus like in three weeks is Liverpool come on <laughs> get ready you know <laughs> and uh, yeah you cannot not feel that mm. you know it's like a, yeah special feeling do you feel pressure when you play yeah, you feel some pressure, but I think it's it's good to have that. Yeah. Um, you never got nervous then before games. No, I feel pressure, but not nervous. No. no. So uh, yeah, I like I like also feeling a bit of pressure. You know, you have to feel that you have to perform yeah. and uh, getting ready. But when it's getting nervous, then it's not good. No. You just spoke about the chef there. I just wanted to ask, who were you close to in the changing room, and even staff members? I was really close with some players like uh, Chris Smalling was my partnership was in the back of course uh, Jesse Lingard was a really funny guy uh, Marcus Rashford just came through the academy of course uh, Fosu Mensa was there as a Dutch guy uh, Memphis Depay was there for a little bit so um, I think I was uh, I was close with yeah how you say close I was good with anyone in the dressing room but I was not with someone particularly close also outside the pitch at the club at uh, Andy the physiotherapist uh, the massage guy um, I have really still contact with him. So, um, yeah, he was, uh, was a really good guy. And, yeah, to be honest, everyone at the club I I was connecting to, but, yeah, not in a certain way yeah. outside yeah. of the pitch. Daily, was it difficult for you personally when Louis got sacked? Yes, it was. Uh, of course, it was after a big win in the FA Cup final. So, um, yeah, it was a moment we should celebrate, but I had the feeling that he already knew something and he did not really celebrated with the team afterwards um, but of course I was I was really sad about it of course I'm really thankful that he brought me to a club like Manchester United and gave me the confidence and uh, that I can play uh, oh yeah, so much games for him at United so yeah it was it was really a, a bad feeling for me as well and yeah it, it hurts yeah difficult time the FA Cup was your first trophy with United. Did it change how you celebrated that trophy, how you see that victory? I think at forehand we, we didn't know about it. Uh, like the news from that he was going to get sacked was coming afterwards at the party. I think the rumor started. And yeah, of course, on the pitch, like the FA Cup final is one of the biggest games I play in. I think mm. like winning that trophy is, is something special. Like it, it lives so so much at the fence and you saw this this Wembley Stadium going mad. And I think our road also to the final was crazy with the games we played. I think we scored one last minute winner uh, when we got one man down, I think, one time with Lingard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a crazy uh, tournament for us. And uh, was, think, the, was the FA Cup something you always look forward to? Even back home as a kid? Would that um, be on TV in 
Uh, I, th- I think not really the the, the FA Cup, but the play the games at Wembley, for example. I like yeah. when you think about that, and, and you saw or the that, FA Cup final. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah, like playing there was really like a dream come true. When Louis left, were you excited about Jose Mourinho coming in? You know, he's won a lot of trophies. He's a footballing man. I was, of course, excited to work with a manager like Jose Mourinho, but I was also a bit conscious about my position because. If you think about Jose Maria, maybe not the first player you think of. Um, so in that way, I was really um, trying to to find a way to play as a Mourinho player mm-hmm. and, and uh, also learn uh, and adapt. And I think in the beginning, I, I played a lot, uh, a lot of games uh, under him, uh, which maybe many people didn't expect. So um, for me, it was not really a, a bad, uh, bad moment uh, at that time. I think it started to get uh, less playing time. I started to get less playing time in the second season when he bought some new players in. But yeah, I I, I cannot say one bad word uh, about him. Um, he was also also really honest with me, and I can really uh, respect his his vision of the the play the game he wants to play. It's different than I was used to, so I learned a lot from that as well. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he do is winning trophies. So yeah, you cannot complain about that. And also under him, I played the European European League final. So, um, yeah, I was really, uh, really happy about that as well. What's sort of different from Louis van Gaal to Jose? What, what was the difference in, in training, mentality? I think Louis van Gaal is trying uh, to make every player really a better player every day. Mm-hmm. Like um, playing on your right foot, playing, uh, you know, where's the opponent? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like always the small things, the small details. Mourinho is really a winning mentality like it doesn't yeah. matter for example how you care how you perform on the week on training if you bring it on game day and you score three goals for example happy, happy guys yeah, happy yeah. days you need to win that's the most important thing mm-hmm. and sometimes it's ugly how you win but it doesn't matter and um, i think that's uh, that's the big difference i think which did you prefer in the dressing room I think a mix of both. Good answer. I learned. I le- <laughs> good answer. Yeah. No, I learned. I learned a lot from Louis van Gaal because he was really on top of me. Like, uh, how how could I perform as a, as a better player? I remember in my first days as a centre back on the training, we did eleven against eleven, and I really was back holding back the line all the time because I was maybe worrying about the striker going deep, and yeah, he, he told me just have confidence in the way we press and press forward, keeping the line up, and don't worry, you will never be a problem and. Like every day he tried to to learn me some new things. And for example, with Mourinho, we tried to, I learned from him how, how to close a game. How to close a game if you're 1-0 up. You don't concede anymore with Mourinho. It's like the game is finished, you know. Yeah. And as defenders, yeah, how, how we adapt to that. How, how are the the tactical manners in that way. And so it was really also a, a period of, of learning for me in that way. So, yeah, one is better in this thing and one is better in the other thing. So I cannot choose really one. If I have to pick who is one closest to me, then I picked Louis van Gaal because that's more the, the play style I play yeah. the most and grew up with. It seems like from the conversations that you really enjoy the tactical elements of the game of football and the, the learning that comes from coaching. Did you have a lot of conversations with managers and coaches? Like, would you go and knock on Louis's door just to talk about things or was that not something that you did? If I want to talk t- tactics, I just call my dad. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Every day we can talk about this. Yeah. No, but of course I really like, like to think about... Uh, the opponent, how we can manage it or how we can uh, solve a problem uh, on the pitch. And I think, for example, with Eric Tanaka, this connection in Ajax, like 
when something happens in the game, I, I knew if you want to say something to the team, I knew he was looking for me and I was just giving a, a, a look to the side to him and, and we had this little contact about something and I could help the team mm-hmm. on the pitch. And um, yeah, it's just really a lot of things I learned from that as well, like the perspectives he, he sees things or how you want to solve a, uh, such a moment or and yeah, it, it, it can help, yeah. We must talk about the, the European League, the final against Ajax. Yeah. Mixed emotions. Mixed emotions, but... Um, You've got to do your job, obviously, yeah. I, I had this feeling I could not return back to Amsterdam if you wouldn't win the trophy, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I remember after that game, I told uh, the board of Ajax, like, uh, I would be so happy if I can manage this with Ajax one day, you know. And then two years later, I went back and yeah. we had this incredible season in Europe in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. So, of course... It was mixed feelings, but when you're on the pitch, you want to win. And I think my friends, they had all like this uh, Manchester shirt with this Ajax shirt underneath, you know, and in case they would win, they, they could go to their square to celebrate. But uh, no, it was uh, one of the highlights of yeah. my time in uh, in Manchester. Is coaching something you would like to go into or managing? Yes, I think so. You think that will be the route for you after football? Uh, I don't know if it is, but I will try. I will want to to learn and get the papers who I need. And let's see if I'm good at it or not. I think these days it's not only about tactics on the pitch. I think you have to manage like a whole squad and team and Mm -hmm. such more things around. So, um, but I'm really uh, eager to learn about it. And uh, maybe it's uh, it's a future. You mentioned at the beginning that you left United in 2018 because you were looking for more first team football. When you did leave, you'd won the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Community Shield and the Europa League. Did you feel like you'd done what you wanted to achieve? I did what I wanted. Um, if I, I think the achieving part for me at United doesn't have to do something with trophies. Mm-hmm. It was for me um, like getting a first team starter. I would say that I made it there, you know, and I almost played 150 games for Manchester United. So I can tell myself that I, I really did it and I make it. As, uh, at the big club as Manchester United and that makes me so proud and of course it's also a winning mentality club so you want to win trophies and that's what I came from from Ajax as well so the trophies were just like something you fight for every season and in that way we should even win more because I was four years in United and we only won four so mm. I wanted to win more but I'm proud of every moment and title I won but I'm even more proud of the fact that I really managed to get to that level of uh, acceptance also with the fans and, and make it in, in Manchester United, yeah. I suppose leaving was difficult for you, but also bittersweet because you were going back home. Yeah, leaving was really uh, difficult. There were in the beginning some other options as well, but yeah, there were no clubs where I wanted to leave United for. Sometimes I had still now this feeling like maybe I should stay and maybe with Solskjaer I could have bring something else to the team as well. Um, and maybe find my spot in the team again. But I know myself and when I'm not playing, I'm not a happy person. And I think especially when, of course, you you know when you're close to the team or maybe gets further away from it. And at one point in Mourinho, I, um, the second year of third year of the second year, I think I had this feeling already on Friday, I know I wouldn't be in the squad, you know. And at one point, then you have to choose for yourself. And yeah, at that point came Ajax and... For me, it was like the time to go back home. And then in that first season, you win the league again, but you also won your first uh, cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that must have been great. 
Yeah, it must have been great. We had a great team. Of course, when I got back to Ajax, they told me about the talents they had uh, already and keeping the team together. And yeah, it was like a crazy season. We we started in the third, how you say, pre-round, pre pre uh, yeah. pre pre-round uh, for the Champions League. So we had to survive three opponents to be in Champions League, and we got to the semi-final. Like no one expected that any any moment. So you can't not talk about how close you were to the final, though. Yeah, it's still painful. It's yeah. still painful to talk I mean, about. I don't want to. I don't want to make you feel bad, but it's. It was astonishing how that happened. Yeah, it's. It's painful. It's painful. Still, when we are, when we seeing guys from that team and we come together, for example, we met each other. It's always going about that yeah, game. Yeah. Now, let's say it's always going about that Champions League, like season, yeah. and then. Everyone is excited and hyped, and then we come to that game, and then we are crying like, <laughs> "This is not how it's supposed to be." And you know, and no, it it will always be like a, a little scar, like something like that. It's uh, it's painful. You had a health scare in 2020, which I know you've spoken about before. But for anybody who's listening is not aware of what happened, can you explain exactly uh, what the situation was? The situation was that I had like a, a small heart attack. That's how it how it was, and uh, the moment when that happened, normally you go out, uh, but for me that it was starting. The heart attack was starting, and at one point my heart rate took over. My heart took took already uh, took it back, the rhythm, and that's why I didn't really went out unconscious. But mm. I could after a few moments I could step up. And whereabouts did that happen? This was in the Champions League game against Valencia. And it was happened in the middle of the pitch. And uh, I remember I, you know, this feeling where you're laying too much on the sofa and you stand up too quick mm. and you get lightheaded. I think this was this feeling, but yeah, multiply it by 10, yeah. for example. And I had this the feeling like I'm hungry. I, I'm, I have no energy. I have to eat something. And I had no idea it could, hap- could was happen anything with my heart or any mm-hmm. condition like that. So um, I think one or two days later i went to the hospital and uh yeah i had to stay immediately i couldn't leave and stayed there for like uh, two weeks so when that actually happened what actually happened yes what happened was i was on the pitch i was standing i was running back we had just had an attack and i was running back and um, at that point uh, if you see the images there are some images about it uh, you see me that i was really yeah like like this and strumbling down and get one hand on the floor and then I was staying on the floor and at that moment my heart rate was picked up again and getting more awake. And then the doctors came on the pitch and asked, uh, what, what's happening? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I just, I'm, I'm hungry. Uh, you know, I, 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 I could not link with yeah, something to my happened, heart. Yeah. I could not link it uh, with what happened. And of course they did all these tests and everything and I was just normal. I was back, back to normal. To normal. Yeah. So they, they couldn't know anything was happened also to my heart. And uh, I even pl- finished the game. That's even crazy, <laughs> the most crazy part of it. I finished the game just playing the game out. And next day I went uh, to training, the recovery session, and did the session. And at that point, uh, the doctor came to me daily. I, I don't trust this. And uh, we need to go to make a medical in the in the hospital. And then we make the medical and then uh, so stay there for that. two weeks. Yeah. Wow. How did that experience change your outlook on football and life? Did you think that was it and your career was over? And did it bother you? Because I guess maybe if you hadn't been playing football, you might not have found out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it was, yeah, these two weeks were, were crazy. 
at one point the doctor came in and tells you you maybe cannot play football ever again yeah a lot of people think why why are you bothered about it you must be happy that you're okay um, but for me i think doing the thing you love if mm. it's football or your job and if you can't do that anymore it's painful so yeah that was a an emotional moment and I remember from that moment, my, my dad was also not giving up. He was like asking the doctor directly every question he could ask, like, what can we do? What's the possibility? What, because he know how, how I was in the game. Like I was not quitting or want to give up too quick. And um, yeah, I think also him asking every question to the doctor inspired me also that much that I, I had no option of giving up. Like I, I, I should try everything was capable inside the range of being safe, of course, and, and doing that. And at one point I had this option to take an uh, ICD and uh, that was the solution in the end. So that's the fitted defibrillator? Yes, I've here on the side. Yeah, because of that, I can do the sports again at the highest level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's your daily routine with that? If something happens? For example, if something happens now or in training, then um, just I probably go out and then this thing wakes me up like the two, like uh, what they so normally do on the chest. It's automatically, yeah. Wow. So it's like a battery for eight years or something. So, so you're uh, yeah. safer than all of us, really? I'm safer than all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, we talked to Ericsson about that because... Yeah, it's the same he, like Ericsson. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Like, But for him, he's got the internal defibrillator, so... Yeah, we don't exactly. have, Did you ever speak to Christian about that? Did you? Yeah, exactly. Directly across? after the the thing happened to him, we had contact directly, and yeah. um, of course we knew already before, so it was easier. And we have questions over and over, and he asked me what I did, what I can do, and we, I think we he went to the same doctor as I did in Amsterdam. So right. um, yeah, I was uh, happy to help him in any way, like, like that. That made you so much. Or made him so much better to think that, well... I think it's because of me, he, he saw what's possible. Yeah. And I think um, that's also maybe the reason why also he didn't give up and show where he is now. Yeah. Did you ever think at all retiring or did your wife say anything to you or...? Yeah, of course, it would be brave if I say I wouldn't, but uh, <laughs> of course you are uh, thinking about maybe retiring. <clears throat> I just had... Uh, uh, had my son and yeah. my, my wife of course uh, was there what did your and wife say? my wife she already knew I was, wasn't give yeah. up so <laughs> she uh, she told me like I, I support are you are you a and stubborn person? In, in that way yeah. I am I knew directly that I, I wouldn't want to give up and like you say of course sometimes you think about it like mm-hmm. why am I doing this I have a good life I have a great career Yeah, I can be proud of and let's enjoy the family but then the end is the question yeah if there is a chance of doing it yeah. safely, why why you don't take the yeah, chance exactly. of yeah. trying? And when that already came up in my mind, it was like no option. Like yeah. it was like we try it, and if in the end the doctors say there is no uh, solution for you to doing sports at a high level on a safe way, then yeah, okay, of it's course you have to stop. You have to. Yeah. It's medical. But mm-hmm. as soon as the doctor said we can manage it by some medicine during training or games and keep your heart rate low. Yeah, we can try it. And that was enough for me to try it. And now here we are at Bayern Munich. Now we are at Bayern Munich, crazy. crazy How did that happen? And and why did you decide to leave Ajax for the second time? Yeah, the decision of leaving Ajax was quite a weird one. Um, It was really not into my hands, to be honest. I got really a bit forced out. And yeah, it's really still painful how it went. And 
it was never my intention to leave the club. And for me, it was always in my head, like Ajax, Manchester United, Ajax, and I finish. And uh, that's how my career should end. It's a nice third club though, isn't it? It's it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, in the end, uh, not, not much in detail about that, but in the end I got forced out a bit and yeah, I was out of contract and uh, they bought my contract off and I was free to go. And then you have certain options, you look around and yeah, it's weird. In the beginning, I had to go to like the normal gym. Like I never been in a normal gym. You have to like like get a monthly pass, you know. Like get, and I had no club. I have to train with. Uh, I trained with my my amateur team where I started when I was four years old. It was next to my house, and so it, I asked some. They had holidays, and I, I called some guys up to train with me. Uh, and they said, "Yeah, we're happy to train with you." So five, six, seven guys from Brilliant. the amateur team. That's so good. So I was p- training with them, and just two. Di- Two, three days later, I was training with Bayern München. So <laughs> it was crazy. And I was, the first days, I was absolutely like so tired. Like I was dead, like from all the training slim Bayern München, the level was so high. Yeah. In front of that, yeah, you have several options. And yeah, when Bayern München come, it's like one of one uh, yeah, a chance of a lifetime, maybe yeah. also to play for a club like Bayern München. I knew I was maybe not playing that often, but it was also no in my head because I was not sure where I was what I want, which club I was going to. And I knew I could sign here for six months and then I have the time to think yeah. to think again and take the time where I really want to go for the next years. And um, of course, they changed the trainer one time and it doesn't help for me when, when you're coming new. Mm. Uh, but in the end, it's it's a massive club and I'm I'm proud that I can put it on my CV and, and hopefully bad, win the it's league. It's not a bad CV, is it? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not bad. Clubbing. Holland, biggest club in, in England. Yeah, no, it's not bad. And like, uh, like I'm on the bench now, uh, but I'm looking at things thing a different way. I can learn from, yeah, mm. now Tuchel. I can learn from Nagelsmann before. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot in six months, but I, I try to see the positive things and take that with me. You weren't yeah. tempted to call up Eric. I did. You did? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's in, uh, to be honest, he have the same agent as me. Okay. So uh, the, the connection is not that far away. Yeah. But yeah, he, he did not really need me at that moment. He already bought uh, some players in, Martinez as well, the same position. Yeah. And uh, I'm not blaming for him uh, uh, for that. Um, I'm Eric also very uh, thankful for, for the time I'm with him. I learned a lot from him. So yeah, it's just, uh, I understand it. Did he speak to you about Manchester at all? No, we have some contact when he's just signed and uh, we talked about it a little bit, but uh, I don't think he had to talk about it very long as well. When Manchester United come, you don't say no. And if he did have a conversation, he probably wouldn't tell you what was said. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Some things are private. Um, Just before we finish, and we really appreciate your time, you've been so patient with your time. What would be the message to Manchester United fans? How much did you connect with them? My message for them is that I'm really thankful for the way they um, accepted me and they, when the time when I come in, uh, the first time they make me feel like home. Still up until now, I get messages sometimes on social media from fans that, I'm, uh, that, they, that they were sad to see me leave. And I think it's, yeah, maybe they the people think always that it's maybe not coming with the players, but we really... Uh, get to know this stuff and get to hear this from the fans. And I'm really appreciated every moment uh, during my career. And even the time when I, I came back last year to see a game in, in, in Manchester and the reception I've got from the people I saw, from the fans I saw on the street, it was incredible. And yeah, 
I can understand under Herrera was a bit emotional about it. When I talk about it, I, I am as well, but I feel really um, proud that I'm at, at play for them in such a stadium and such a big club. So thank you for that. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Helen's trying to compose herself because Daly has now left the room and we tried to describe this room earlier. It's somewhere between like a studio and a set and a megastore. There's Bayern Munich merchandise everywhere. And currently David May is reclining in a Bayern Munich branded deck chair. He's wearing a Bayern Munich bucket hat and he is just surrounded because he's put himself in the corner of the room oh. by Bayern Munich merchandise. He's surrounded by oh. bags and flags and yeah, well, pop-up is... tents. There's a the massive goal next to him. It's the strangest image. Excuse me, I've been up since three. I'm, I need an hour. That doesn't explain it. Just it just, perfect. I think it's just because everything's so branded. Well, that's, it. that's, what, that's, what, that's what me and Bayern do. We just brand each other. <laughs> David yeah. made the brand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyway, anyway, the reason why we're here is for Daily Blind, and I'm telling you what, that was mint. I say it often, and I do, but I tell you what, that was very good. <laughs> it's really good, very good. <laughs> and he's lost all composure with your bucket hat. I think he, he was he did, he was one of those players where you never know. I think when you have players that are currently playing, whether that United or we speak to you know like Ander Herrera is a great example of they don't need to be so honest because they still have their reputation to protect because they're still playing. They know everything they say creates headlines. And I felt like he was so honest with us about everything. Do you know what was really interesting as well mm -hmm. whenever he said at the end, because obviously we told him about Ander getting quite upset on our podcast and he'd said it, didn't he, at the end when he said he could see why Ander had got upset because yeah. he yeah. felt emotional talking about it. I actually thought they were quite similar characters yeah. on a podcast. Obviously, I don't really know them I felt in like, depth personally. I felt like I could be really good friends with Daily Blint. That's, so, that was my feeling from it. It's been it. a while since you've said that, to be fair, but one of the players, I think Paul Scholes was the last Paul Scholes was my best oh, friend, yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very much doubt that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> very, very much doubt that. But I just felt like we could be friends. He just seemed like such a nice guy, didn't he? Lovely guy. Great guy. Yeah. I'll tell you, some great stories talking about his dad. and. Do you remember watching him play? I remember him in the late 80s, probably just for Holland in the World Cups. Yeah. But yeah, phenomenal player. Phenomenal, I tell you, phenomenal player. Really was. And to have that pressure of your dad being a superstar, you know, it, it he brings... He was so it, honest about it as yeah, well, wasn't he? Yeah, But yeah, well, I mean, what a career. Ajax, Man United, Bayern. You know what I loved about that podcast? He didn't just give the easy answers. No. Anyway, really enjoyed that. Have we got any uh, emails, guys? I've got one. Shall I read this aloud? Yes, please. It says, Dear Helen, David and Sam, I'm writing to you all from Sydney, Australia, and I want to let you know how much I've enjoyed the podcast over the last couple of years. G'day. You've all done a brilliant job with the guests, and I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to their stories about their lives and their time at United. The podcast has given me access to some very interesting and fun stories of what has gone on at the club over the years. I was fortunate enough to meet David when he visited Australia in 2019 and did a Q&A with our New South Wales Supporters Club. I remember him. Go on. Bald dad. I thought you were... He sent a picture and he's not bald. Oh, no. <laughs> Is he not? There you go. That's the picture. Oh, it's Bozzo. No, that's Mark Bosnich, that. Oh, is it? That's not him, you crack. Oh, this one. See? Bald. <laughs> he's bald. G'day, yeah. mate. G'day, mate, you little ripper. You're getting further and further from the mic, so I've no idea how much of that made you heard. Uh, What's he said... your favourite hobby, sport? <laughs> P.S. One I'd love to hear from on the pod, the one and only David Beckham. Thanks very much, Brendan Vella. Brendan, thank you so much. <laughs> We'd all love David Beckham on, wouldn't we? Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> it's still laughing. 
This has turned into an absolute shambles. Uh, please, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send an email to unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. And then all the obvious plugs that we have to do, subscribe to the podcast, leave us five-star reviews, all of that stuff, because it makes everybody's lives better. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Adios. See you later. Ciao.